0: Hello, welcome to the legends of King Arthur and his knights, chapter 43, the Holy Grail. King Mordrain lay on his bed in the chapel, just as he had done for hundreds of years. Blind and infirm, he waited and longed for the day that the chosen one would relieve him and remove his pain. Every day he wished to see the knight walk in, and one day he did. Galahad strode into the church knowing what had to be done. As soon as he drew near, the ancient king's sight returned. He could see for the first time in centuries. He glimpsed the knight who had come to save him and begged to be allowed to die in his arms. Galahad sat down at the head of the bed and tenderly embraced the frail old man. Mordrain gave a prayer of thanks and asked to be allowed to die. His wish was immediately granted. His life slipped away as Galahad held him. As he died, his wounds healed and he became whole again. Galahad had him buried with great honour in the abbey. After a couple of days spent at the abbey in quiet contemplation, Galahad rode off. He stopped off in the perilous forest to quell a bubbling spring, and then arrived at an abbey that Lancelot had previously visited. There he quenched a seemingly eternal flame which belched from the tomb of his ancestor Simeon. As he did so, a voice which seemed to be that of Simeon himself, urged Galahad to give thanks for being able to do this deed. Galahad did so, and then had the body of Simeon reburied in front of the high altar. After doing these deeds, Galahad roamed around Britain for five years, righting wrongs and doing good deeds. Early in this time he met up with Percival, and the two travelled together. Soon after the five years had passed, the two friends spotted a familiar figure. They rode up to him and greeted him warmly. Sir Bors of Gorns responded in kind, and all three felt ripples of excitement coursing through them. Now they were together again, it was clear the end of the quest was in sight. Soon they would achieve the Holy Grail. Once reunited, the three companions made their way directly to the castle of Corbenic. King Pelham greeted them with delight, weeping over his grandson like a loving grandfather should. The knights removed their arms and were presented with a challenge. King Pelham's son brought in a broken sword the sword which had wounded Joseph of Arimathea. He told the questers that one of them would be able to mend it, even though the blade was snapped in two. Bors and Percival both tried, but of course couldn't do it. Galahad took the two pieces and slotted them together. As he did so, they merged into one and formed a perfect sword blade. It was impossible to tell that they had ever been broken. The three men rejoiced. This was a perfect beginning for the final part of the quest. The weapon was given to Bors, and now all three questers carried magical swords. Evening came, and the storm clouds gathered. King Pelham and his son led the three knights along a passageway. Together they entered the great hall of the palace, in which was a silver table. On the table, covered in red cloth, was the Holy Grail. The three stared in awe. Their reverie was broken by the entrance of nine armed knights. Three were from Ireland, three from Gaul, and three from Denmark. All had been following the crest for the Grail. Clearly these were great knights, as they had been permitted to see the Grail itself. They bowed before Galahad, knowing that he was the chosen one. As they were seating themselves ready for the dinner of food from the Grail, a voice rang out. Let him who has not been a companion of the quest for the Holy Grail leave this place now. Pelham and his son got up and prepared to leave. Poor Sir Bors, who could have been forgiven for some frustration at the delay. After all, he'd eaten nothing but bread and water for a good six years or more, and must have been keen to try something else. Bors was wise and serene though, so if he felt it, he didn't show it. Sir Bors didn't have to wait long. As soon as the king and his son left the room, a man descended from heaven dressed as a bishop. The knights watched in amazement. Their amazement turned to awe when they read the inscription on the man's brow. It told them that he was Josephus, the first Christian bishop, who had been raised to this rank by the Lord himself in the holy city of Saras. Don't be amazed, I am here as a companion of the grail. I will carry out the same duties from heaven as I did here on earth. As soon as he had finished, there came the sound of a door. From a chamber at the back of the hall came four angels. Two carried candles, the third a cloth of red samite, and the fourth a spear which was dripping with blood. They moved towards the table, where the candles were set down and the cloth laid by the holy vessel. The fourth angel lifted the spear above the grail and dripped blood from the spear into it. When the grail was full, Josephus lifted the spear a little higher and covered the vessel with the red cloth. Josephus took some holy bread, representing the body of Jesus, from the grail and raised it. As he did so, a childlike figure rose from it, shining like the sun. The figure entered the bread and the combination took on the form of a man. Josephus placed the man bread back into the grail. He then approached Galahad and kissed him, telling him to do the same to his brother knights. Then he spoke. Servants of Jesus Christ who have suffered and struggled for a glimpse of the mysteries of the Holy Grail seated at this table, you will receive the most glorious and sumptuous food you have ever tasted from your Saviour's hand. You have laboured manfully and today you will have your reward. Then Josephus vanished. As he did so, the figure of a man emerged from the grail. He was bleeding from his hands and feet, and from a wound in his side. He spoke to the knights. Most spiritual knights who have sought me so long, I will hide myself from you no longer. Now you will see some of the secrets and mysteries. You will eat here at my table, the first to do so since the days of Joseph of Arimathea. Only you have been face to face with the holy vessel, now eat the precious food you have craved for so long. He walked over to Galahad, who knelt before him. The chosen one received the food, the body of his master, with joy in his heart. The other eleven followed suit. The offering was the most delicious, sweet, honeyed food they had ever tasted. All were filled with gratitude and total happiness, especially, one assumes, poor old bores. The vision of Jesus turned to Galahad and spoke. Son, the purest of all do you know what it is that I am holding? Clearly he was holding the Holy Grail, but Galahad realised he didn't really know what it actually was. He shook his head slowly. No, he said, please tell me. This is the dish from which I ate lamb on the night before I was put on the cross. Now you have seen the object you desired to see, but you will see it more plainly soon. You must leave this place and take the vessel to where it should be, the city of Saras. The kingdom of Britain no longer deserves to have the grail within its borders. They have lapsed into low ways and do not honour it as they should. You must depart tonight for the coast, where you will find the ship which carried the sword of the strange belt. Take Bors and Percival with you. Before you go, though, you must heal the maimed king. Galahad tried to argue the other nine knights should also go, but they were commanded to spread the word, just as the original disciples of Jesus had done. He gave all the knights his blessing and then disappeared heavenwards. Galahad immediately did as his master had bid. He picked up the spear which lay across the table. The chosen one took the spear to King Pelham. Carefully he anointed the unhealing wounds with the blood. Miraculously the wounds healed and the king bounded up. He lived many more years in no pain at all and he lived them in a monastery. There he worshipped God and performed many wondrous deeds in his name. Around midnight, the three companions left the castle and made their way towards the coast. It took them four days to reach the seashore, and there, sure enough, was the ship on which they had discovered Galahad's sword. They looked up at the ship's deck and saw what they had expected to see. Standing in the middle of the deck was a silver table, the one they had seen at Corbenic, and on the table was the Holy Grail hidden beneath its red Samite cloth. Bors, Percival and Galahad each made the sign of the cross and then boarded the ship. As soon as they were on board, the wind picked up and the ship sailed away. They spent many weeks at sea. The three knights had the faith that God was guiding them, but Percival and Bors became restless and a little impatient as the journey grew longer and longer. Galahad knew he was being guided, and he knew the final achievement of the quest was near at hand. He prayed he would be allowed to die and enter heaven at the time of his choosing, as his life will be fulfilled when the quest had been successfully concluded. A voice spoke to him in response to his prayer. Don't be downhearted, Galahad. Our Lord will give you what you want. When you want to die, you will be allowed to die, so that you can live on in heaven in everlasting joy. Galahad made the same prayer every night and inevitably, one night, Percival overheard it. He begged to know why his friend wanted to die. Galahad explained he had felt utter joy and peace when he had seen the wonders of the Holy Grail at Corbenic. He expected that he would feel it again, once more, at Saras. He knew his life would be complete when this happened, and wanted to ascend to heaven with the bliss of the Grail in his heart. One day, when the ship had been at sea for many weeks, Bors approached Galahad. Sir, It was prophesied that you should lie in this bed. The letter said you would, but you haven't done so. Galahad thanked his friends and declared he would lie down on the bed that night. As soon as he did so, he fell asleep. He slept long and deep and was only awoken by a voice from heaven. Leave this ship, Knight of Jesus. Take the silver table and the grail and carry them to the city. When you get there, you will find yourself in the spiritual place where Josephus was first made bishop by our Lord. The three knights struggled to get the table and its contents to shore. A solid silver table is by no means light, and they could barely lift it between them. Once they had, with great difficulty, hoisted the table onto the land, they glanced out over the water and saw something they recognised. A small boat drifted towards them and nestled on the beach next to their ship. On the boat was a fine couch. On the fine couch was the body of a young woman. Percival's sister had arrived, just as she had predicted that she would. The knights knew they had to bury her there in Saras, just as she had requested, but there was the small matter of taking the Holy Grail to its destined resting place to deal with first. Galahad, Percival and Bors did their best, but even the three of them in concert couldn't carry the table more than a few hundred metres. By the time they got to the city gates, they doubted they could take it any further. When they stopped for a breather, Galahad spotted a man on crutches. He called over. "'Can you give us a hand, please? Can you help us carry this table?' The man looked at him queerly. "'I haven't been able to walk for the last ten years. There's no way I can carry anything.' "'Rise to your feet,' said Galahad. "'You are healed.' The man got up and ran over to the table. Beaming a grin as wide as the table itself, he picked up one corner and helped the knights take it into the city. As they went in, the man told anyone who would listen he had been miraculously healed by the good knight. They made their way up to the palace, where they saw the throne that had been prepared but for Josephus many years before. Once they had set the table and the grail down, they returned to the shore and retrieved the body of Percival's sister. She weighed nothing in comparison with the table, and they tenderly carried her into the palace, near where they placed the silver table. There they buried her with a ceremony fit for the daughter of a king. After the burial, the knights were joined in the palace by the returning king, who was called Escorant. It seems that he may have been a bit put out by something. Maybe the sudden appearance of the grail. Maybe the impromptu burial of a young girl in his palace. He questioned them at length about their arrival and purpose, and being true knights they told him everything honestly. He didn't believe a word of it and had them thrown into prison. Galahad, Percival and Bors were true and faithful knights and they were not left to rot. The Holy Grail appeared in the prison and kept them fed and healthy. They remained in the prison for a year. After a year, Galahad made his prayer. He prayed that he be allowed to die. As soon as he had done so, the prison guards entered and announced they were to be freed on the condition they'd go and see the king. He was dying and he wanted forgiveness for what he had done to them. They went to his deathbed and pardoned him completely giving their full forgiveness. Escarant died with his mind at peace. If Galahad thought he was going to be allowed to die, though, he was in for a bit of a shock. The people of Saras declared he must accept the kingship. Galahad, always one to put duty over his own needs, agreed. He had an ark of gold and precious stones built over the silver table to house the Holy Grail. Every morning, he, Percival and Bors stood before the holy vessel and prayed. A year later, Saras was peaceful and prosperous, and it seemed that Galahad's work was done. When the three men went to the Grail at the crack of dawn, as they always did, they saw something unusual. Kneeling in front of the table was a man in the clothes of a bishop. He called over to Galahad. Come here, servant of Jesus, and look at the Grail. Galahad stepped forward. He looked deeply at the Grail and experienced the same feeling as he had at Corbenic, except maybe more powerfully. He spoke his final prayer. Lord, you have granted my wish. I have seen what I can't describe or really understand. Now that you have fulfilled my life, let me have what I have wanted. Let me pass from earthly life and enter the eternal life. The bishop handed Galahad the holy bread and spoke. Do you know who I am? No, I don't. I am Josephus, son of Joseph of Arimathea. I have been sent to be your companion You and I are very similar. We have both been allowed sight of the mysteries of the Holy Grail. It's fitting that I should keep you company. Galahad strode over to Percival and kissed him. Then he turned to Bors. When you see my father, Sir Lancelot, greet him from me. Galahad returned to the table and knelt before it. Then he fell forward until he was on his hands and knees. He remained in this position for a moment or two before falling face downward onto the stone floor. As he did so, his soul left his body, and he ascended to heaven with Josephus as his companion. Galahad, the chosen one, was dead. As soon as Galahad's life on earth ended, a hand came down from heaven. It plucked the Holy Grail from the table and then took the lance. Both objects left the earth and entered heaven. From that day on, no man would ever see the Holy Grail again. The people of the country mourned their dead king. Bors and Percival plunged the depths of grief. He was buried in the palace, in the spiritual place, next to Percival's sister. As soon as this was done, Sir Percival of Wales became Percival the monk. He retreated to a hermitage and spent his days in holy contemplation. Bors went with him, but he didn't renounce his knightly vows, and he didn't become a monk. Percival prayed and contemplated for a year and three days, until, on that day, he died very peacefully. Bors took his body back to the palace and laid him to rest next to his sister and Galahad. Sir Bors knew he had done everything he was supposed to do. He left the city and went back to the shore and boarded a ship. The wind was with him and it was only a short journey back to Britain. He disembarked and then acquired a horse. A few days later, he arrived back in Camelot. King Arthur's court had never experienced a party like the one given for the return of Sir Bors of Gorns. He had been away for so long they all thought he was dead. He told the full story of his quest and of the adventures of the three companions. He told Lancelot of Galahad's last words and soothed his cousin's grief. Although Lancelot had known he would never see his son again, he was devastated by the news of his death. The Grail quest was over. Just as Sir Gawain's dream had foretold, many of the knights of the round table had not made it home. Galahad and Percival had died peacefully with their lives fulfilled. Tristram, Dinadan, Uwaine, Bagdemagus, and many others had not been so lucky. King Arthur looked around at the depleted fellowship that sat at the round table celebrating Boar's return. There were still many great knights, plenty to keep the kingdom safe. He fervently hoped there would be no more trouble around the corner. He was to be very, very disappointed. Next time, Lancelot will forget all about the vows he made during the quest for the Grail and pick up again with Guinevere. The seeds for the destruction of Camelot will be sown. Until then, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.